being here. And I know um, Andrew and Nydia have Kevin and Julie and Daniel. Great to be here. They've been here before. Great to see them again. All right. And you're not a visitor. I know you. I know you. I know you. But happy Mother's Day. All right. So tell me if i ready. Good. Open up to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. You know, it's funny because I know I've been, maybe it's the stool making me wax confessional, but I know I've been, I could be fiery when I speak, I know. I know some of you are just like, you have no idea. Uh, but, uh, and like, you know, rip, I, I, I kind of gravitate towards like rip your face off kind of preaching. Like I respond to that personally. So sometimes I know that comes out. But the Lord has a way of like really taking you out at the knees, um, pun intended, and uh, really kind of like let, making you think about what people need to hear. And it just happens to be like where we are in the scripture. I don't see this as being a message of... Uh, rebuke or condemnation, but hopefully something that will encourage you. John chapter 14. Let's read verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. That's a good line. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house or many mansions. Man, isn't that a beautiful promise? Amen? But what in the world does that mean? Have you really thought about it? It just sounds so good. In my father's house are many mansions, and we got these images off of chick tracks of palaces and, and kingdoms and beautiful buildings, but what does our Lord Jesus Christ really mean? Does that really make sense? What kind of a house has many mansions in it. And what would you need with a mansion in heaven anyway? Protection from the elements. Is it going to rain up there? (laughs) We got a cold front coming in, you know. (laughs) That's not the north wind the Lord's talking about in the Bible. (laughs) Uh, Safety from intruders. (laughs) You know, (laughs) You know, the father, we got the ADT set. Yep, it's set. Yep, they're home even when we're not. Yeah, so uh, a place for entertaining, you know, because you could have company over in your mansion and, you know, uh, have, uh, you know a little, little place to kick up your feet and just relax. I don't know. We're gonna, it sounds like we're going to be running around the throne and casting crowns. I don't know. If it, <laughs> how about, do we need property to make our neighbors green with envy? Is that what we need a mansion for? What exactly is the Lord Jesus Christ preparing for us up there? What is that mansion all about? Because we sing that song, right? I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. What is that about? I want to talk to you today about a message called My Father's House of Mansions. My father's house of mansions. And I'm not going to be ultra dogmatic. Some of you might pick up some rocks outside and throw some things at me because you've seen so many pretty pictures that you don't want me to spoil them for you. But I want to talk about at least one of the amazing things that Jesus Christ is preparing for us. 
in our Father's house of mansions. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the truth. Lord, may it just burn in our hearts. Lord, if someone is not saved, may they get saved today, Lord. But I I suspect most of us know you and know about you, Lord. So I pray today would be a day, Lord, that a saint would be encouraged and strengthened and drawn closer to Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 7. We're going to do a little Bible study here today and just let the Bible define some terms and explain some things for us all. Genesis chapter 7, look at verse number 1. You there? Say amen. amen. All right, you're almost there. I know I'm going fast. I still go way too fast, right? Sitting or not. All right. Number one, I want to say, and I only have two points. <clears throat> Number one, I want to say is my father's house. Bible speaking anyway, is not necessarily a formal building, but a family bond. It's not necessarily a formal building. You know, I know you've seen the chick tracks and the animation and, you know, you got all these beautiful buildings and stuff like that. Maybe that's true. I know it's a city and it's got dimensions, but it's, if you really let the Bible define my father's house, it has a lot to more to do with a familial bond than a formal building. And your first mention is over here in Genesis 7. It's the first time the word house shows up in your Bible. It's right there in verse 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Now, can I ask you something? You don't have to be too smart to think about this. It's good for all of us. Was Noah supposed to bring his pad into the ark or his people into the ark? What was he bringing? His, you know, his little uh, double-wide trailer into the ark? Or was he supposed to be bringing his kids into the ark, his family into the ark, his house into the ark? Amen. Go to Genesis 20. I'll show you another one. Go to Genesis 20, verse 13. This is about Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Left knee. All right, and... Uh, Genesis 20, verse 13. Abraham speaking, he says, And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. Now, is Abraham just talking about leaving a place or leaving people behind? What did God bless him for? Just walking out of the hut or the whatever it was or leaving people behind? Go to Genesis chapter 12. I'll show you what it was. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says this. Look at Genesis 12, verse 1. Right? Genesis 12, 1. Josh has been preaching through Abram, Abraham at the Arbor Terrace. Some good stuff on YouTube if you want to go through that. It's good stuff. And this is a little bit about him. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Now, you read the story of Abram. He didn't totally obey God fully from the jump there. Because you know who he took with him? He took Lot with him. And Lot was one of his kindred. Lot was one of his family members. And Lot was a bit of a, a, a bit of dead weight on Abram's walk. And you know what? God didn't really bless Abram until he separated from Lot. You know that, right? God didn't really start blessing Abram the way God could bless Abram until he separated from Lot. That means my father's house 
is less about a place and more about people. It's people. Now go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's swing it around to you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not in my Father's big gold building, but in my Father's family. In my Father's, among my Father's kindred. In my Father's house are many mansions. Can I say this to you, Christians? If you are saved in Christ today, you are in the Father's house. Amen? You are in the Father's house. You are in God's family. Amen goes right there. It's great together with family today. It's wonderful. What a blessing a good family is, especially a saved family is. But how much more God's family. God is your father if you're saved. You're in the father's house if you're saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, the Lord says that to you. He says, wherefore, remember that being in time past... That ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, (laughs) being aliens, not the ones with the weird eyes on the top of the head, but people that were, didn't belong in God's house, didn't have any standing in God's house, didn't have any rights and privileges in God's house. You ever done something where you... I've done this. My wife's done this. You ever gone to a car that looked like your car and you sit in it and you realize it's not your car? (laughs) Doesn't happen so much now with the fobs that everybody's carrying around, but it's happened. My wife tells us, did it one time, where she just, she got in a car that looked like her mom's car. She puts the key in. She's like, why is this thing not turning over? And I'm not in the car. You know what happens? Panic, fright. I I don't belong in this car. When you were unsaved, you didn't belong in the father's house. You were a misfit. You were an alien. You were illegal. You were not supposed to be there. You know you don't have that fright over you anymore? You belong. If the Lord blew the trumpet right now and you got whisked up there to the third heaven, to the heaven of heavens, right past that, that northern place out there and went up there, you know what? They don't know who you are. You wouldn't feel out of place one second. Wouldn't it be like, you know, is that family? You know, if you go to like those family reunions, like, who is that? That's your Aunt Gertrude. You, she saw you at the, at the you know, at, at your, you know, baptism when you were two month, weeks old, months old, and blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to be up there, and they're all going to know who you are. Amen. And you're going to know who they are, Amen. and you're going to feel completely at home. Because you belong in the Father's house. You're in your Father's house. Look what it says right there. It says, That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You were worshiping twigs and berries and rocks and elements and stuff like that. But now, amen, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, are you in Christ? You better be. Ye who sometimes, meaning at a previous time, were, uh, uh, were far off are made nigh, close 
by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one Jew and Gentile and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain, meaning two, one new man, so making peace. Oh, aren't you getting excited? I am. And that he might reconcile both unto God, both Jew and Gentile, in one body unto God, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ready? <clears throat> now, therefore, ye, I'm looking at all ye, all right? Ye are no more strangers. I mean, some of you are still pretty strange, myself included, but you're not strangers to God. You're not strangers to heaven. You're not aliens or outcasts. So, like, what are you doing here? We didn't invite you. You're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens Amen. with the saints and of the household of God. Now, that household of God's got seven parts, but let me tell you what, you're a big part of that household. Amen. The bride is a big part of the house, Amen. and you're a big part of the house, folks. You're in the Father's house. Listen, folks, you may never get in the White House, all right? And some of you are just like, don't care. That's good, Amen. right? Because um, what's in there right now, I don't know if he knows he's in the White House either. I'm not quite sure, but you know what? Uh, whoever's in there, you know, donkeys, elephants, whatever's in there, whoever's in there, you know what? It's just brick and mortar. And you'll never probably see the inside of that. You'll probably never see the inside of the Oval Office. You'll probably never see the inner sanctum of all that stuff where all that stuff happens. Uh, just ask Monica Lewinsky, right? All that stuff happens. But you know what? You are in the Father's house. You are in the Father's house. You're going to walk those streets, you're going to see those saints, you're going to sing those songs, you're going to cast those crowns, you're going to look upon that Savior, and it ain't no pie in the sky type of fairy tale religion. It's book, chapter, and verse with dimensions and measurements. It's real. And you're, gonna, you're a part of it. You're in the family of God. And if God is your father, say amen. amen. If God is your father, you are blessed more than you possibly realize. More than I've realized, and shame on me. When God stops you, he makes you start counting your blessings. You realize, do you really believe those things you tell those people every week? Amen. Verse number 13, you know what it says right there? You know what it says about being in the father's house? It says, you're close to God now. You're not far away. He be not far from every one of us. He's so close. He lives inside of you by his spirit. You want close. <laughs> the Jews could say, Abraham could say, he's my friend. I could say, he's my father. I could say, he's my God. I could say, I and we're one. <laughs> He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. How about that, church? You say, why am I so close? Because you're in the Father's house. You know what else it says over verse 14? It says in 14 that you've got peace with God now. 
See, why do you have peace with God? Because you're in the Father's house, man. Not the stranger's house. Not even God's house. You're in the Father's house. He's your Abba. He's your Daddy. He's your loving Savior. Verse 14 says, there's no more obstacles between you and God now. He's taken out of the way. There's no more wall of partition. There's no more veil. He says there in verse number 15 and 16, there's no more enmity. He slew the enmity. He took it upon himself. All that anger, all that hatred, all that animosity that existed between you and God because of sin is gone. It's gone. It's gone now. Shake off thy guilty fears. He's your father. You might disappoint him. You might break his heart. But when you come back, there's always room in the father's house. You're a part of it. Verse number 18 says, you've got access to God now. Why? Because you're in the father's house. You walk right in. My kids got home last night from the youth rally around 11 or so, right? They walked right in the house. I didn't grab my gun. I didn't call the police. They walked right in because they belonged there. They had access there. You know what? You could walk right into that throne room. You could walk right into his presence. You've got access, man. Use it. you got access. I hope you're using it right now. Father, help me to believe this, Father. Help me to help Pat. Help my brethren. Help me. Help me, Lord. I want to believe this. You can talk to God right there where you're sitting in your seat. You don't need no crazy prayer closet, no position. You're right there sitting in your seat. Father, that's the truth, Lord. Help me. Help me to apply that, Lord. I got to believe that, Lord. You're right. You're right and I'm wrong. I've been thinking you're far away and you said I'm right there. I stick closer than a brother. Lord, help me to believe you. Take the scales off my eyes. Hey, that's what I do when I'm listening to a guy preach. I'm sitting there just kind of, Lord, man, I've been so stupid. I'm sorry I didn't think that way. Hey, you got that access. Go into the throne room right now and start praying up what you're hearing and saying, Lord, apply it to me. A name flashes across your eyes, apply it to me. And verse number 19 says, and I like this part the best, you're a citizen of heaven. You belong to God. Man, I'm going to date myself. There was a show on NBC. That's the peacock now, right? Called Cheers. I used to watch it, right? It was, a, it was a pretty good sitcom. And it had a theme song. It would always come on. You want to be where people know your troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Amen. Cheers. Now, that was about a bar in Boston, Right? where you could pack your car and have a yard, right? But we're talking about a place where everybody knows your name. Cheer up, my brother. You're going to walk in there, hopefully very soon. And you're going to walk in there, and it's going to be like, you know, for the newcomers, you need to proceed over to the Celestial River. We have an, uh, we have an orientation that's going to happen. Mike, uh, no, Gabriel, you do this one, right? Gabriel is going to do the orientation for the newcomers. no. It's going to be like you've always been there. You're already seated there in heavenly places in Christ. How could the Son of God say, the Son of Man is in heaven while he's standing on earth? John 3.13. How could he do that? I guess if you're a Son of God, you're here in the flesh, but there's something about you 
that's up there in heaven as well. Ephesians chapter 2 says it. I'm not, I'm not getting kooky. I'm looking forward to a place where everybody knows my name. Go to John 14 again. Let me finish this point up real quick here. John 14. John 14, look at verse 1 again. With that in mind, can you think about what Jesus is telling his disciples now? As he's getting ready to leave, leave them behind, send them into a firefight, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I would have told you, I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know why he's telling that? You know why he's giving them that comfort and encouragement? Because he's leaving them. And the comfort and the encouragement is not, oh, I got a big palace for you. It's no, I got something for you where you're going to be a part of something and some people that you'll never have to say goodbye to ever again. <laughs> that you'll be joined to for all eternity where everybody's going to know your name and that's going to be something that you're going to have forever that where I am, there ye shall be also. And in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says, when he comes and gets us, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Because you know where I want to be? I want to be where he is. I don't care if it's a hut. I don't care if it's a tent. I don't care if it's a palace. I just want to be where he is. Because where he is, is right where you need to be. And that's what he's telling them. My father's house is where you're going to be. You're going to be in that family, and I'm going to be there with you. Go to John 20. Now, this is before the cross in John 14. And in John 20, he's risen. Amen? Amen. He is risen. Let me say that one more time. He's risen. (laughs) My son and his... uh, his cousin Julie at the youth rally yesterday sang a song, Love One. Jesus is alive. Love One. Forever and all time. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. <laughs> and you know what? John 20, he's alive. And he's about to go up there to the Father, but he sees a weeping disciple. And he stops to comfort a weeping disciple. Anybody got a heavy heart this week? Don't say amen. The Savior of the world, as the plan of redemption on which all of mankind's destiny hung, as he's executing that plan and doing all the things that he had to do, the Savior stopped to comfort a weeping disciple. Let that wash over you in all your deep doctrine. Let that wash over you as you consider your Savior. In John 20, verse number 17, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto her, meaning Mary, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, watch this, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. You know what he's saying now that he came out of the tomb? All that stuff I told you, all that comfort I gave you, I'm confirming it now. I'm risen, and now my father is your father, and my family is your family, and my God is your God. What a confirmation. See, why'd you say all that? To get to the mansions. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Point number one, which took 
a lot longer than I thought it would, but I think it was good to stay there. Point number one was my father's house is not necessarily a formal building, but a family bond. Point number two, as you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, since we're letting the Bible define our terms for us, point number two is my father's house of mansions may not be fancy buildings, but fashioned bodies. Like that, Rachel? That's, That's some double alliteration for you right there. I've had some time to think about words, okay? My father's house of mansions may not be fancy buildings, but fashioned bodies. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul is writing to the church, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that's what you're dragging around right now, right? It's your tabernacle. It's your temporary dwelling. Everybody's dwellings are working at different capacities, but your temporary dwelling. Right? We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we live in this body for a little while, but God is building us an eternal house up there. Because one day you're going to put this house down and take up that other house. This house has been for a little while. It's temporary. It's a tabernacle. The other one is going to be eternal. We cling to this house, and we cater to this house because it's all we've ever known. It's all we've got right now. So I'm not saying you stop brushing your teeth or doing what you got to do, but 2 Corinthians 5, 2 says, for in this, meaning your temporary house, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. (laughs) If you're saved, something inside of you longs for your house from heaven. Now, when you're 17 and you could do all those pull-ups and run around, you're not longing for it like some of us might be longing for it. But you know what? I'm longing for it. And as you get saved and grow a little bit in Jesus Christ, you start longing for it. Hey, if you're saved and you're 15 or 20 today and you don't have some aches and pains or worries or sorrows, guess what? It would be nice to check out before you have any of them. And you know what? If you are getting some of them, you know what? It would be nice to get rid of all of them. Amen? To have a house from heaven that never fades, that never dissolves, that never fails you. And something, an earnest desire, a Holy Spirit desire inside of you just wants it. Wants it. Look at verse. Because you know what? You're not your body. You live in your body. One day you're going to stop living in this body. You're going to live in another body. You're going to live in a body from heaven that's eternal, that's being fashioned by God. You know what that new man inside of you is aching for? He's aching for an upgrade. Some of you got your your old phone, right? You know, like me. Yeah, you know, you're like, when's my upgrade coming? When can I upgrade my phone? You know, I want one of those new phones. I want to upgrade my phone. You know, I, I, blah, 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 whatever. You know what? That new man inside of you <clears throat> is looking at the world, looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, feeling the things you feel, sick and tired of being sick and tired, emotions running rampant, you know, just uh, sin, lust in these members, betraying you, a mind that's so slow to believe God and so quick to believe sin. It's just all that stuff's rattling around. You know what that new man inside of you is aching for? When's my upgrade? I'm looking to trade. 
things here. I want to just trade carriers and just get rid of this one and just get my new one. Never have to upgrade after that. Verse number three, think about it. If the human body, plagued by sin, is amazing. And the human body's amazing. I mean, it's amazing to think, if you think that you're a monkey's uncle, I mean, you have been smoking crack. I mean, you've been like, you have been like, you're just crazy with a capital K. I mean, you're just like, to think that if you started to really know about just the process of blood clotting, how it's so intricate and irreducibly complex that all these pieces have to be converging. So even when you get a little cut, you don't bleed out and die on the basketball court last Sunday, right? So, you know, that's, it's amazing. The human body, but the human body is amazing and it's plagued by a fallen nature and it's still that amazing. Can you fathom what it's going to be like when it's a sinless body? When all that sinful blood is gone and you have a body of flesh and bone like that risen Savior had? Can you just fathom that? You're going to fly. You're going to do some things you never thought you could do before. 2 Corinthians 5.3, it says, We want that house from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. He's saying when that day comes, we want to get the best house God could give us. We don't want it to be shortchanged or anything less than the best. Verse number four. For we that are in this tabernacle, physical body, do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed. We, won't be, we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to lose a body and be a disembodied spirit floating around like some cults think we are. No, 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 no. Uh, he says that we would be clothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. God says, you saw the Savior preview it. He's going to do the same thing to you. He's getting it ready for you. He's, he's fashioning it for you. He's working it out for you. And he's put that Holy Spirit inside of you to give you a longing for it. And deep down past all your plans today and all your plans for this year and all the things you think life has to give you and appropriate to you, if you could just move that all out of the way, there's a new man sitting way deep down in your soul saying, even so come, even so come, even so come, even so come. And that new man inside is longing for a body that is far better, far better. Because man, it ain't just any old house the Lord is preparing for us. He calls it a mansion. And what is a mansion but a glorified house? That's all a mansion is. It's just a glorified house. So are you, my dear Christian brother or sister, are you laying up in store any furnishings for your house from heaven? Are you doing anything down here that God could put into your house up there so when he blows that trumpet and you're clothed upon, you're not ashamed. You've got all God could give you because you've been doing some things down here to get ready for up there. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Look at this. Philippians chapter 3. Making any sense? All right. Philippians 3 verse 17. Paul's writing about it again. It's all over Paul's epistles. You didn't realize it. Philippians 3.17, the Bible says, Brethren, 
That's talking to brethren then, right? That means he's talking to Christians. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. You know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, Christians, your life is so much more than earthly things. I know we got to do earthly things. We got to go to work. We got to go to the doctor. We got to do this. We got to mow the lawn. We got to whatever, whatever it is, right? You see what's on my mind still, <laughs> right? We got, I know we got to do stuff, but don't let that crowd out what life is really all about. Amen. Your life, your real conversation, the real give and take of your life, it's up there. Because this, it's over in a vapor, man. Amen. It's over in a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone the next. I don't say that to depress you. If you're saved, I say that to encourage you. Because man, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm trying to think about hearing that voice. What's that going to be like in that first few moments? When we hear that voice say, come up hither. What's it going to be like? Looking at each other. You think it's going to be like, we're going to look at each other? Did you hear what I hear? (laughs) It ain't going to be the little drummer boy we just heard. It's going to be, you know, did you hear that? Come up hither. I mean, the joy and the peace. Because in that moment, your faith will be made sight. And all the things that you've believed and hung to by faith will suddenly become as realer, realer. Is that a word? (laughs) More real than the chair you're sitting on and the, the hair you combed and the house you walked into, and the car you drove in, and the place you're going this afternoon, it's going to be more real than all of that. Your future is heavenly. Pastor Mel used to like to quote the song, I took a look in the old black book, and it thrilled me through and through. Well, if you've been saved and born again, it's bound to thrill you too. I was reading along about going home, and I found to my surprise... I'm already there in Jesus. I'm living on the other side. Well, I'm already over on the other side, waiting on my brand new body. I'm sitting up there in the heavenly fair at the right hand of the Father. My citizenship's in heaven. I'm living in Christ, you see. I'm already there in Jesus. I'm waiting on my body to be. That's all we're doing. We're just waiting on that body. That's all. Look at verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What what a day that will be. That future day involves our glorious house from heaven, our mansion that we're clothed upon with. What a day that will be when the Lord changes this vile body. Oh, we love it so much, but God calls it vile. Don't take a shower for a few days. You're going to stink. It's appalling. It's offensive. The things that run through your ears, the emotions that run through your heart, 
the lust that war in your member, God says they're putrid. I'm going to change it. I'm not taking any of that to heaven. I'm going to leave that behind. 21, what a day that will be when your vile house, vile, is made glorious. Vile, you got to walk around with canes and stuff like that, one day made glorious. 21 again, look at it again. You say, how's that going to happen? The working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. The same God that lets you change your life is the same God that could change your body. The same God that can help you subdue that filthy mouth, that angry heart, that vicious temper, that selfish attitude, that same God that can buffer those things and subdue those things can subdue your flesh and change your flesh and make you something glorious. What if, what if, what if, what if? What if the glory of your change from up there depends on the change you let them have down here? What if the amount of subduing you let the Savior work in your heart down here pays dividends in that mansion that he's working and reaping for you up there? Seems like a just God might have that in mind. And what if the glory of your mansion depends on what you're doing with your house right now. Second Peter 1. We've got two stops left. Second Peter 1. I'm just throwing that out. He said, Pat, this wasn't supposed to be a rebuking sermon. I've got to pour a little salt in there somewhere, right? <clears throat> Second Peter 1. Look at verse 12. 13, I mean, 13. Peter's writing to the Holy Spirit. He says, yay, I think it meet, fair, suitable, fitting. As long as I am in this tabernacle, meaning this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. That's why I'm preaching this today. Because Peter was saying, you know what? I need to stir you up. As long as we're still stuck in these bodies, I got to stir you up about the body that's coming. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. You see, God wants us to remember the change that's coming to our house, to this house. He wants us to remember that church, that in my Father's house are many mansions. Oft times the day seems long, but we have to remember this body is not forever. Now, it's easy to say amen when you're aching, but it's also for when you're doubting, when you're troubled, when your heart is fluttering in your chest and your mind is racing around your skull like an Indy 500 and you can't find that calm and you can't find that place of rest and you can't find that rock to lean on. You know what? You're leaving all that behind. That's all part of this big mess called your body. You're leaving that behind got to remember that. You know what? For me, sometimes it may feel like forever to just walk across this auditorium. But you know what? You know what I got to remember? I'm going to fly. Amen. And I'm not going to sing the song and say I'm going to fly like the eagle. But I'm going to fly like the eagle. Amen. You read your Bible. Read it close. 
Read between the lines. I'm not, I'm not going to be stuck to the earth anymore. When I get that new body, like his glorious body, I'm going to be able to do the things that his glorious body did. That included passing through solid objects. How'd they have the door shut? And Jesus walked in and said, peace be unto you. See, I didn't read that in my daily bread. No, you didn't. You missed that part. I missed that in my devotional. I'm not knocking that stuff. You missed that, right? You missed that he could go in a matter of hours up to the third heaven and back in that new body. You're going to have a body like that. You're going to be able to fly. You got some work to do out there in the universe. You need a new body for it. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. Some of you are going to pick up a brick and hit me with it. But folks, Peter got a preview of this change so we can remember what we're waiting for. Don't forget what you're waiting for. 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He's like, I'm writing it down so you can remember it today. So we can remember it in 2023. Peter wrote it down in whatever, 60-something A.D., I think 66 or so A.D. He wrote it down, so he said, long after I'm gone, you could remember what's waiting for you. Verse 16, and he says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, (laughs) when we made known unto you the excellent power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's like, I'm writing it down. I'm assuring you right now, and I'm writing it down and assuring you right now that it's not just a fairy tale. He's saying, I was there. I saw it with my eyes. I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. Don't ever forget. He wants you to remember verse 17. He says, here's what we saw. He, meaning Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's describing the change. And he's describing that change of Jesus Christ in his, I guess, normal body being glorified and getting a glimpse of what that glorious body looks like. John saw it. Peter saw it. John writes about it in the book of Revelation. Go to Matthew 17. Let's see some things about that change. That might have a little bit of a clue about your change. Am I making any sense? All right. I'll get to some of the other stuff maybe next week, Lord willing, or another time. But I want to just focus on that mansion, that body. What did Peter see? What did he see? Let's, 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 let's look at it. Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, he saw that change after six days. That's interesting. Because one day is with the Lord is a thousand years. So prophetically, after 6,000 years, you're going to see that change too. I mean, it's got to be right around the corner, folks. Uh, I mean... Christina, I don't know if it's before September. I don't want to mess you up. But I mean, it's got to be close. Because no matter how screwed up the calendar is, it's 2023. I mean, you do the math, it's only so many ways you can stretch it. So I mean, it's it's, it's getting real close. And after 6,000 years, there's going to be a voice from heaven that's going to change you. 
Eat what it says. It says, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high, mar- a high mountain apart. Peter saw the change after Jesus brought him up into a high mountain. You know that picture is for me? That soon the Lord, after that 6,000 years, he's going to bring you up and separate you from the world and take you way up there. Amen to give you that glory, to give you that reward, to let you shine like he shined. And, he's gonna, and when you're up there at that judgment seat of Christ, you know what you're going to receive? You're going to receive what Jesus Christ received. Glory and honor. Your new body that was risen is then going to go up there and be glorified. A glorious body. 17.2 and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. What they see? They just saw the Son of God change. No rumbling, no earthquake, no hailstones, no fire and brimstone, no earthquake. Just, just something changed. I mean, he just went from one thing to another. Transfigured. The prefix trans means a cross. From one shape to another. From one figure to another. From one thing to another. Folks, when God saved your soul, you know what he did? He just passed you from death to life. There was no earthquake. There was no rumbling. You didn't roll. Maybe, maybe you rolled on the floor and barked like a dog. That wasn't the Holy Spirit, by the way. But you know, just, just something changed. In the record books of heaven and the state of your soul, the Holy Spirit moved in. You maybe didn't feel anything profound. Maybe you felt some relief. I felt relief. Maybe you felt an emotional weight lifted off of you. But there was no shake, rattle, and roll. There was no everybody in the you know, cell block was dancing to the jailhouse rock. Nothing like that. You just, God went, Amen. something changed. Amen. Have you had that change? Amen. Well, then, why would you be surprised when God saves your body, he's just going to pass you from death to life. I mean, it's going to be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And it's going to be like, it says, we shall be changed. doesn't say there's going to be a, a shake, rattle, and roll. doesn't mean there's going to be like, you know, I think it's going to be the sweetest, most pleasant feeling that's ever come over you. Just your skin turning to gold or something, and you're just like, I don't know. You're going to feel different. And it's just going to be like that. Just a transfigure, right? What a change. You know, guys, nobody could see the change God wrought in your soul. They couldn't see it. They had to stick around a little bit, see your life change, and they say, what's different about you? But when you got saved, I got saved alone in my room. I think it was May 1998. I signed every track I got, so there's a lot of dates on some of my old stuff, but I wanted to make sure I was in. Yes, I'm in. You know, send it back, yes. You know, I try to get every piece of insurance I could. But you know what? Nobody could see the change in me. The Holy Spirit had moved in. I was spiritually circumcised. He made an abode for himself. He put off the body of sins of the flesh, that circumcision made without hands. He moved into that place inside of me. That new man moved in there. In the record books of heaven, I was passed from death to life. I went from sinner to saint, from stranger to son, and God did all this stuff, and I was seated up there in heavenly place in Christ. You understand it? No, but that's what the Bible says. It all happened in a moment. 
in the twinkling of an eye, Lord, save me, when and just, you just passed from death. Like we got that banner of that guy. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And he just steps across from that graveyard to that beautiful garden. But everybody's going to see this change. There ain't going to be no hiding this change from grandma. No hiding this change from your neighbors. No hiding this change. You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like Gideon's army up there on the mountain with those lights inside those clay pitchers. And they're getting ready to come down and vanquish the enemy. And Gideon's army's up there. And they blow that trumpet. You know what they do? They break the pots. And the lights shine. And those lights followed Gideon down the mountain as he cried, the sword of the Lord, end of Gideon. That's a preview of your return with Jesus Christ. Because you know what you got? You got this little light of mine inside this clay pitcher. This house of clay. And you can't see it. And one day God's going to take you up onto that high mountain. And you're going to say, he's going to glorify you. He's going to break this alabaster box. He's going to blow that trumpet and break this, this house of clay. And he's going to say, are you ready? And I'm going to be like Rudy in that movie on the bench and say, coach, I've been ready for this my whole life. And I don't care if I'm the last guy holding on to some stallion's butt. All right? I don't care if I'm the last one on the, on the, on the train. I just want to be in that number. And it's going to be blow that trumpet. And he's going to be the only one with a sword. Like Gideon was the only one with a sword. He's going to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon is going to come down that mount. And we're going to watch him whacking this one and whacking that one and lopping this one and lopping that one. And down goes the UN and down goes this guy and down goes that way. And he's trending them. And we're just watching. And we're having a good old time. He says, come on, let's go. And he walks across that eastern gate and sits down in that temple. And there we are, man. And it's forever and forever and forever and forever and ever and ever. And there you are shining. And that remnant that's left behind and those people see lights descending down that mountain. You know who it is? It's you. Descending with your Savior. Second Thessalonians 1 describes that advent. You know what it says in verse 10? You can flip there if you want. I'm going to read it. It says in that day when we come back with him, it says, He'll, she shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed. In that day. And every time you see in that day, Day, it's second coming, brethren. It's second coming. And in that second coming, you know what? There, somebody's going to be looking at you and admiring Jesus Christ. You know why? Because they're going to see a whole bunch of little Christs following Jesus Christ down that mountain. Because by the time that thing happens, you'll have been conformed to his image, shining with his light, and looking just like he looks. You know, people admire mansions, don't they? I've made some wrong turns in Homedale and said, they're going to call the neighborhood watch on me. I remember we were looking for houses, and there was a block in Homedale. We almost bought a house in Homedale. And um, 
It was one of those blocks where it was like Homedale and then Homedale, you know? It was like the same block, and I was like, I can't move in on this block. Three houses down is a castle, you know? And I wasn't looking at a castle, but there were castles down there, and you know, we get impressed by that. Maybe you take a ride. You, know, it's, you look at big sprawling lawns and look at the architecture and the, you know, the this and the that. And, you know, I know it's carnal, but it's human, right? You see a big, beautiful house or a castle or, you know, you look at a big fancy home or Buckingham Palace or whatever you look at, these big things, and there's a certain admiration that comes. Amen. You kind of stand in awe of what somebody could make out of nothing. I mean, ordinary houses, you know, some wood and some this and some that. But you look at this mansion, you're like, wow, that's, that's glorious. That's something special. And in that day, somebody's going to be looking at your mansion and admiring what Jesus Christ made out of you. Look what he made out of Pat Mashanya. Look what he made out of Chris Leeson. Look what he made out of Marie Colleen. Look what he made out of these people that were just dust balls. And now they're shining like Jesus Christ is shining and entering into his kingdom to live and reign with him, not just for a thousand years, but for eternity. Matthew 17, 2 says, his face shined in that change. I think, and I'm, I'm closing here, I think Jesus Christ shined in that change because the Son of God was a light to a dark world. He was a light. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, the Bible says. Talking about Jesus Christ's first coming. It's talking about his second coming too, but his first coming, he wasn't shining, he wasn't glowing. But you know what he was? He was a light to people, a light to Israel and a light even to the Gentiles. I think Philippians 2.15 says, that the sons of God, which are you if you're saved, are supposed to shine as lights in the world. Right? The Bible says that you might be blameless and harmless without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Amen, brother. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So I think, do a little Sherlock Holmes deduction here, that the sons of God, that's you, will shine as lights in the world because you're shining now. Jesus Christ shined in the transfiguration because he was a light during his earthly ministry. Could it be that you're going to shine because you're a light during your earthly stint? Does the degree of your shine in eternity depend on how much You let your light shine now. Seems like it to me. I wouldn't fight you too hard on that, but it just seems like that's the pattern. Can you go to Hebrews chapter 10? Let me just throw this at you. Last verse. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 5. And I'm just, you know, I'm stretching this just a touch, but I want you to think of something. The Bible says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. 
God prepared a body for the Son for the work He had ahead. He had a body. Now, He was the Son before He took on flesh, right? He, the Word was made flesh, but he had, God prepared Him a body for the work He had. I think, I think, going out on a little bit of a limb here, a little bit of ice, but I'm going to walk out there. I think the Lord is preparing the sons of God a body for the work we have ahead. Because we got some work ahead of us. You know what God's doing? He's preparing us a body. Something to inhabit so that we can do what God has for us to do in the next chapter. And when it's time to furnish a house, you know what we do? We spare no expense. We try to make everything look right because we want our house to be right. We want the curtains to be right. We want the furniture to be right. We want the colors and the accents. You know, is that the right odd number of pillows on the couch? Come on, man. Odd number of pillows on the couch. Accent, color, you know, what's going to pop? Blah, 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 right? We, we want to make it look right because that's our house. We want it to be right. Will you put any effort into your spiritual house? Amen. Will you make sure the things in here are right? Oh, I can't have that in here. I shouldn't have that over there. Well, that's the wrong thing accenting over there. Will you put as much effort into your spiritual house so that your house from heaven has got some furnishings and that mansion could be all that it could be so that he's got some things laid up in store to prepare for you? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. So don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of that city. I want a mansion a harp and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander, but walk on streets that are pure as gold. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you today.